Detective Superintendent Alan Banks stood in front of the mirror in the gents and studied his reflection. Not bad, he thought, tightening his mauve and gold-striped tie so that it didn't look as if the top button of his shirt was undone, which it always was. He couldn't stand that claustrophobic feeling he got when both button and tie pressed on his Adam's apple. There was no dandruff on the collar or shoulders of his suit jacket, and his dark hair was neatly cropped, showing a hint of grey like a scattering of ash around the temples. He had no shaving cuts, no shred of tissue hanging off his chin, and he wore just a faint hint of classic Old Spice aftershave. He straightened his shoulders and spine, noting there were no bulges in his jacket pockets to spoil the line of his new suit. His wallet and warrant card were all he carried, and both were slim. He fastened the middle button so the jacket hung just right, and decided he was ready to face the world. He glanced at his watch. The meeting was due to begin at nine sharp, and it was about three minutes too. He left the gents and took the stairs two at a time up to the conference room on the top floor of the old mock Tudor building. Timing was an issue. Banks didn't want to be the first to arrive, but he didn't want to be the last either. As it happened, he ended up somewhere in the middle. Detective Chief Superintendent Gervais and Assistant Chief Constable McCoughlin stood outside the room chatting as they waited. Banks could see through the open door that some people were already seated. Alan, said McCoughlin, new duties not proving too much of a burden, I hope. Banks' promotion to detective superintendent had come through a short while ago, a bloody miracle in this day and age, or so he had been told, and he had spent the last few weeks learning the ropes. Not at all, sir, he said. I had no idea how much I was getting away with before. Gervais and McCoughlin laughed. Welcome to the real world, said the latter. Shall we go in? McCoughlin went ahead. Banks turned to Gervais and whispered, Any idea what this is about? She gave a quick shake of her head. Very hush-hush, she said. Rumour has it that the chief constable himself is going to be here. Not crime stats or more budget cuts, then. Gervais smiled. Somehow I doubt it. The conference room was sparsely furnished, nothing but an oval table, tubular chairs, and institutional cream walls. They took their seats around the table, and a few minutes later Chief Constable Frank Sampson, soon it was whispered to be Sir Frank Sampson, did indeed arrive. When he was followed shortly by the new police and crime commissioner, Margaret Bingham, Banks knew that something important must be brewing. But the last person to arrive a minute or so after everyone else was the biggest surprise of all. Dirty Dick Burgess was now some sort of deputy director or special agent at the National Crime Agency, more commonly known as the British FBI. The NCA dealt mostly with organised crime and border security, but it also worked against cybercrime and the sexual exploitation and abuse of children and young people. Burgess flipped Banks a wink before sitting down. Even he was wearing a suit and a crisp white shirt instead of his trademark scuffed leather jacket, though he could have done with a shave and a haircut, and he had forgone the tie completely. Clearly the British FBI didn't bother dressing up for a visit to the provinces. There were eight people seated round the table when the Chief Constable opened proceedings by introducing them all to one another. 
One of the people Banks didn't know by either name or sight was the lawyer from the Crown Prosecution Service. Her name was Janine Francis, and she was not one of the CPS lawyers that he usually dealt with. The eighth person, still only vaguely familiar to Banks, was the County's Force's new media liaison officer, Adrian Moss, an ex-advertising agency up-and-comer and political spin doctor with a flowered tie, fresh-scrubbed youthful appearance and a breezy, confident manner. A motley crew indeed, Banks thought, as he tried to imagine why they might all have been brought together under one roof. It had to be something big. I know some of you must be wondering what all this is about, said the Chief Constable, so I'll make it simple and get straight to the point. I assume you're all familiar with Operation U-Tree and its investigations into sexual abuse, predominantly against children and primarily by media personalities. In the wake of the Jimmy Savile business and the successful convictions of Rolf Harris, Gary Glitter, Dave Lee Travis and Max Clifford, among others, I'm sure you can imagine that a lot of past victims have been encouraged to come into the open over the matter of historical sexual abuse.' 